welcome to minutes with mohoni you're with me mohoni this is the marketing segment where i get to talk about the things that i'm learning in the industry trends i'm spotting and um sharing of tips that might help people in their businesses people who cannot afford to do professional marketing or rather don't know which way to go so thank you for the feedback from the guys who said that it's really helped that's my joy that's my joy makes me so happy so at work we're doing um i believe it's the first creative summit in akuru city um and it's had me thinking a lot about our theme is about creating enhancing creative development in the digital age and so as an innovation hub we really take on the concept of innovation in whatever industry we branch out into so because of our digital marketing agency side we relate with so many rather we interact with many firms or organizations in different fields so we are usually forced to innovate in how we create content for them in how we distribute content how we revise strategy and stuff like that so the thinking and planning behind this creative summit had us also evaluating creative means or rather prospecting what the future of digital media is and digital conversion rates and digital creative spaces even digital innovation what that would look like and so i came across this phrase in one of the articles i was reading so somebody was talking about working with an with a bank it is a really big bank in asia so it was a case study right and so one of the premium clients was talking to the to the then ceo when they were telling them that working with you is like going back in time she was highlighting how difficult and expensive it had become doing business with that particular bank that in spite of them being so big the inability to adapt digital means was costing the client a lot of money she was even worried that her kids trust fund might be dissolved because of how slow the company was and they were losing people's money and this is very interesting because recently in Kenya I've heard there has been a scandal or rather some some fishy business going on with equity where guys guys are losing their pensions like your money has just disappeared and from what i heard from a source i'm not i did not qualify this i don't know if it's true or not that when you go to report there's nobody to give you back your money because apparently there's no legal systems to follow up on that but also it could be like the typical african setting where this organization has money and so going to court with them they'll bury you in paperwork you don't have the money to process legal procedures let alone afford a lawyer who is willing to take on a company i mean a whole bank like equity right so i wonder what that would look like but the focus of this particular episode is to highlight the back um what it's like working with systems that take you back in time rather than help you process your business or your ideas in this time and also help you see how you'd fit in in the larger futuristic landscape of the industry you're in so as i thinking about the institutions that we have in our country um we have school um religious ones even family governments and businesses and hopefully i'll be able to like delve into them in detail but I don't know. We'll just see where it goes. So, in relation to school, as part of our, our hub program, we have at hub program as part of our core values, we have programs that run uh, that um, 
involve young people in tech and helping them adjust in this digitized economy um, and also women like preparing them on how to better run their businesses or conduct themselves or even develop their brands in this in this digital landscape so our programs are centered on that and one of the things that i have observed particularly because of my class is that our, our systems of learning are are very wanting they are quite behind a lot behind so the guys the cohort i'm teaching currently they they just left school so most of them will be joining uni either end of this year or early next year and prospecting degrees that last four years so probably they'll be leaving the institutions in 2028 that's if they decide to finish their degrees because with this generation you don't know one year in and they might decide to drop out or switch up but we were evaluating the relevance of the courses they were doing in relation to when the books they'll be studying in school were published and we saw that by the time you publish a book usually the information is quite behind because it takes time to approve a syllabus by itself and get it through the many bureaucracy just a lot of red tape before you publish it and then now the fact that it has to be taught in school to be understood so by the time you're receiving a textbook per se it's at least three years behind the time upon which it was upon which the syllabus where it was curated from was created and so by the time it's getting to print it's like three years late by the time you assimilate the information you're already behind let's say with five years and so we were asking ourselves like if you're going to go into mechanical engineering or you want to go into it how relevant is your degree by the time you're graduating uni in all honesty are you within the times are you behind are you forward thinking and so now the purpose of my class is to teach them how not only to question information to verify it but also to take on the learning as a personal initiative in that you don't wait for a lecturer to come to class to give you information rather you scour the internet and see what developments are being made in your field that way the education you get in school is not compromised because you are depending on a book because the institutions of learning in kenya are quite behind i don't know who is involved in curriculum development and i also could be wrong because there could be a lot of red tape behind that inhibits the development of in educational infrastructure that is um beneficial to our to our intellectual ability or beneficial to how the workforce will produce in the next five to ten years i don't know do people stand to gain from this backward way is it that western governments support that so that we keep buying their content whether it's intellectual property whether it's finished goods whether it's our consumption of social media but it remains that our form that the vehicle we use to channel out our workforce is quite behind and so as a country we find ourselves at a constant disadvantage because unless the student knows that they're able to to cross over their book the boundaries of their books and the boundaries of their lecturers initiative to learn more or not they are constrained to how that institution has been structured when we go to governments how our governments are run yes we, we kenya is sort of a hybrid yeah as a republic we're not completely democratic yeah because yeah whatever but how our governments run 
it's quite shocking honestly because i'm like for instance when uru was in power we had to there was this uproar about getting us to get um huduma number cards and me got it because i was like okay so this thing how my how i understood it was that this thing is going to work like your social security where if i lose my id or i your birth certificate happens to disappear which is quite common in Kenya your huduma number works fine because i mean it has all your details so you probably don't even have to have any other form of identification because you have that so i don't know what happened i think disappeared and then now you find that in spite of that whole legal procedure we went through to because you had to produce original documents to register for your huduma number but you find that you still have to do the same thing when you're going to register for your electoral card it's the same process when you want to go register um, for school they ask you for original documents again and you wonder what is the point of being so digital if we're going to have to revert to formal paperwork all the time it just it raises a lot of questions honestly that for your driver's license that you can't have it online it needs to be in your hand at all times it's like our governments are trying to embrace digital media but they're still so slow because when you go to government offices you find papers you're like why are you guys still using papers we have softwares we have machines you guys can literally get mainframes that can manage loads of data like terabytes worth of data but we are using papers and you meet some mama who is so pissed off she's angry at you she went for lunch at 12:30 and she's coming back to work at 2:30 so you have to hang around town until she decides to come back and then deal with her nasty attitude because if you don't then you're not going to get your documents and then just try and go get a passport and then they you pay all the fees you're required to to pay to get a passport and then you still have to bribe someone to give you that passport it's shocking institutional institutional innovation is it there probably not think about businesses how they run i even wonder like how supermarkets are very because where i work right now we're surrounded by like three supermarkets and I was like I was asking myself like how far how advanced is the inventory system how advanced is the checking in system or do you need to go take somewhere do you guys have call cards like if you need to be called somewhere is there like tech for that is there like when will the time come when we don't have to go through cashiers to pay cuz so that you can avoid all the long queues that happen especially during rush hours where you can just go pick your stuff and leave i wondered about what else was there our pos systems i wonder if those are like the highest levels of tech we have in supermarkets like the ability to just kind of code and put it in and i wonder if does Kenya not have innovative minds that can come up with a system that works for our retail system that even somebody who's selling nutrition cucumber can use that even pay your taxes through that like you don't have to physically appear in a building to pay your taxes uh, a proper system for guys who sell groceries kwa soko like mama mboga like we have a, a tech system for that where you don't need to go with physical cash because i mean safaricom has already reduced that not really reduced but across that bridge because of mpesa but i wonder you know like i'm not in that sector so i wouldn't see much of it but i wonder like 
will there ever come a time where we will shop without needing to carry cash or even just use safaricom will there ever and personal like will there ever come a system where you can just walk in and walk out with your groceries i thought about families and like how how the parenting is done like how have your parents raised you is it going back in time is it very present is it futuristic because i feel like most of the conversations we have with people at work concerning how they were raised it seems like our parents read from the same manual it was the same handbook this is how you raise these kids this is how you you temper them how you keep protective barriers around them this is the ideas that you allow in your household the the power plays power structures the dysfunction in communication and i wonder like if that's the the upbringing that we have at home how does that affect that child's development how does it affect how they relate in school with other people how does it affect them in their social development when they're hanging out with their, with their friends i wonder if the familial institution needs different guidelines for this present time because it's like we've changed in how we behave like culture has changed the people who live here rather people have changed the culture which has changed the people but our parenting style remains the same i wonder think about the church how the systems in the church run today somebody brought, brought up this idea that um they're anglican and so apparently their particular church decried the acceptance that the anglican church i think of england has passed where they allow homosexuals to i think feature in the leadership and so their particular church decried that and said that they do not want to be associated with that move and so it opened up uh, a discussion at our work table or workstation concerning um, the acceptance of lgbtq ia all that in the church leadership and somebody said that you'd be because i was like me was, was of the idea like let's just find our business i i appreciated the fact that the church was maintained its stance on it but we we wondered where it leaves the people who would want to meet to know about god that don't necessarily ascribe to heterosexual lifestyles i'm in no way endorsing that lifestyle that's not my view but it was it was a cry for a separation between traditional ideologies versus how the gospel is preached to people case in point mary magdalene when jesus is hanging out with the boys in somebody's house comes and starts crying and she washes jesus's foot or feet with her tears and then she breaks open the alabaster box and anoints his feet with stupidly expensive oil judas obviously does what judas does but one thing that the, that those sadducees or pharisees rather commented was that if he knew that if he knew what kind of woman she was he would not have allowed her to touch his feet and i think i was asking god like there was a clear separation there where Jesus did not condone her lifestyle because it's alleged that she was a prostitute. Jesus did not condone her lifestyle, but he allowed her to touch him. And I wondered if our institutions, particularly the church, has that type of separation. Can we separate your lifestyle from you where we accept you in our church because you are quote unquote a sinner who wants to know about Jesus? We do not endorse your life but we love you enough to allow you in our midst. Like do we have a separation between sinful and offensive 
because rightfully so the, our our disgust for that lifestyle is because it's offensive to us not really because it's a it's a it's a worse sin because there is the bible really does not have hierarchy of sin it just really classifies guys who disobey their parents guys who steal guys who gossip guys who are impatient and angry in the same lot and even guys who practice homosexuality is the same lot but you don't see the church decrying that like if you if you have anger issues we kick you out we tell you not to come to our churches we have not seen men of god absolved of their quote unquote call because they were angry or they have a problem with their temper or you find out a man of god who cheated on his wife and then they were instated back into their positions but if somebody was homosexual that would not be allowed so i wonder about that like is our structure so traditional because of the of the trust we have been taught to put into old systems because we believe that old is gold that old must work because it has brought us this far so do we really do we need a shift in institutional structures in the church and how much of it is really god and how much of it is traditional and personal opinion yeah is it sinful or is it just offensive and who is it really offensive to and who gets to determine that this is offensive enough that I will not allow it in this church because then that brings in the question are men of god god or is the church an institution that is under the leadership of a man who is open to the opinions of other believers or is a church like a typical corporate structure where we have a ceo and employees hmm, i wonder So like in light of the creative summit that I mentioned that's coming to Nakuru City I was thinking about it in terms of art that if somebody embraces your art whatever it is whether it's music spoken word whether it's drawing murals graffiti work if you're in the management side of art if you're in the advocacy side of art if you're in the influencer side of art when somebody interacts with what you create is it like going back in time or is it something very temporal and trendy or is it something that projects a futuristic outcome we were discussing kanye the other day in one of my classes we were discussing um our ability to think beyond what we see we acknowledge that kanye is a genius and that some of his designs are quite ridiculous based on how we interpret culture and fashion and music right now but one thing that Kanye has been defined as is a, is a genius and Yeezy is stupidly reinvented how we put on shoes and it made what is it called slides popular because of the foam slides Kanye in a few years became a cultural god because of his ability to forward think like when you interacted with what Kanye made made his music his fashion sense even how he decided to marry a woman like Kim K and just do whatever it is that they were doing it wasn't like going back in time it was very forward and I, so now i wondered like even for the creatives one as a as a panelist I, my questions were centering around trying not only not only appreciating what they've done but trying to see what is their creative vision for the future because nakuru can't remain as small minded as we have been all along that is one of the tragic sides of nakuru is that we were very old guard we are like a rich old 
town in Texas. Like, you know, when you watch those um, Texas films and cowboy films and the guy is just like really old school, refusing to change and all that. They have money, but they're refusing to change. That's much of what Nakuru is. And one of the, one of the goals of the Creative Summit is to try and get Nakuru art out. Like to get creative thinking outside of the box, to stop just regurgitating media, regurgitating trends, regurgitating how influencer marketing is done. Always waiting for sponsors. How can the creative market shift that power into their hands instead of waiting for sponsors to come to them, but rather lure them in, or rather change how we produce content that is consumed by the market? Why is it that as creatives we pick from the Western side? They determine what we get to consume. As somebody who's also in digital marketing, it's been very frustrating to note that some of the social media apps we work with have provisions that are not available in our country. And we were asking ourselves, can you are we still considered savages? Or what separates a shop owner in America from a shop owner in Kenya that you get a particular part of Instagram or Facebook and I can't get it because I'm in this country? Like for the longest time, you couldn't access Spotify until they brought Spotify to Kenya. You had to use VPN to like change your location or whatever so that you could access Spotify. And we're like, what has changed between then and now? Even Netflix. And those questions are what are causing us to have such kind of conversations because if they will not allow us to have these things in our systems, I mean, we purchase the same apps online, but we get subpar quality, but they get top tier quality. So why can't we de- develop our own apps? But also it comes down again to the, con- to, the, to the question, are we still savages in our own minds? Because many people would rather purchase from a white man than purchase from an African because I don't know, we despise ourselves or is it that we've been cultured to believe that Africa cannot produce anything that is good except for music that's trendy and even then we're looking up to getting towards to getting um, Grammys and whatnot. We would my leader the other day had me thinking about it like a Grammy award is like a Groove award or a Kalasha award. It's relevant to the American economy, not us. But they've sold the Grammy so much that when Burner Boy wins the Grammys, it's a big win. When Lupita got an Oscar, like, whoa, what do you mean an African has gotten an Oscar? But how is it we don't pride ourselves in our own awards? What What is the African mindset towards our creativity? Do we think it's trash or are we so consumed by the idea of being what Western culture has shown us to be poppy and trendy and viable and marketable that we have despised what we have to offer? And through that, through that what, hmm, I can't say disposition, what, what, sorry, even a word. And through that disdain, we limit the avenues through which creatives can make a living out of their creative work and so therein we strangle the creative economy we asphyxiate it we hinder its growth we curate it to look like western media because we know that's what translates into the big bucks i wonder what do you think what do you think what do you think about interacting with art interacting with institutions whether it's in banking it's in retail it's in sports it's in media television look at how our anchors are dressed look at how they speak look at how they present news on tv 
what areas of our economy really and systems are purely African or are just slowly integrating the African way into it? And how much of it is just Western vomit? And it's like we just go to the vomit and we're picking out the things that are intact, things that we see we can eat again. Sorry for the disgusting imagery, but I couldn't think of anything better. But I wonder, I wonder, let me know how you interact with these systems and what you think about institutional innovation. Yeah, what do you think about institutional innovation? 